Ladies and gentlemen of The Grateful Leader, we are super excited because we have an awesome podcast for you featuring Lee Hayward, who is a personal branding guru who helps you show up with your clothes in a way that's in alignment with who you are showing up with as a leader and as a person, as a mom, dad, um, entrepreneur, lawyer, doctor, yoga studio, studio owner, whoever you are. What's so fun about working with Lee is how insightful she is. You can talk with her. I've had this experience. My husband, Sean, who's a Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force has had this experience recently as well with working with Lee in that you talk to her for 15 minutes and she can summarize exactly what you want out of your life in a matter of five to 10 words. And it's like clairvoyance. So Lee has this gift Amy and I have been so grateful to get to experience it firsthand. And I love that if you think that your clothes don't matter, this is going to be a perfect episode for you because we have an amazing story in here that is going to kind of knock your socks off about how clothes help save a life. Enjoy. Lee Hayward is a best-selling author and image strategist. Lee is the founder of The Prosperous Image, a consulting firm that gives clients an edge in the moments that matter. She works with elite service professionals to curate a professional and business brand that gives them a decisive advantage in their industry. Lee's the author of Simply Effortless Style and her most recent book, Strategically Suited. Lee believes your image is a powerful marketing tool you always have access to. She's happily married with two children, two dogs, and a cat. Lee, thank you so much for joining me and Kami on The Grateful Leader. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Okay. So first and foremost, how old are the children now? And how? what are the names of the two dogs and the cat? All, all the important things. Um, okay, so cat is Charlie dog Lula and the poodle Mabel who's hilarious and the children are 11 and 8 girl and boy 11 and 8 and how many years have you been happily married which I realize it depends on the year but how many years have you been happily married (laughs) so funny I'm like oh gosh uh 17 17 that's me too this year so that's crazy I love it So I know that you work um, and you and I have worked together, which has been super fun. And it's been a delight to get to know you through that. But I know that you largely work with professionals. A lot of our listeners are are professionals and there are other attorneys and there are people who may already know about you. But when we start thinking about a, a stylist, I think that we start thinking about super fancy people. And I know I don't identify as that. And I think most of the people you work with probably don't identify as that. So when you, when you really get down to it, why is it important for someone to work with a stylist or to really get clear on what they're putting on their body? Yeah, that's a great question. So what's funny about that particular question is in my own business journey, I have had to really wrestle with that word stylist. It was an identity that I just really didn't identify with, like, because my entire perception of your image is that it's actually a tool that you get to use to go out and get whatever opportunity, whatever results you want. And it's not fair of me to put this sort of blanket statement or stereotype on the word stylist, but it just never hit home with me because I always believed that this was really all about strategy. 
So I'm kind of from the camp of like, well, you've got two choices. You can just put clothes on, like we're all going to get dressed in most cases, and you can just put clothes on and have that be and see what happens. Or you can really do a little work on the front end so that the day you're actually getting dressed, it's super easy, super fast, and then super strategic so that it's actually creating opportunities in your life. Why do you, like, why do you, what made you get into this? Like, I guess my question is why do you care about what other people put on in order to make, why is this tool important to you? Yeah. So it's one of those funny things, you know, how, when you sort of replay your life stories show up where you're like, wow, that is why I ended up doing that. So fourth grade, I have a friend who I'm still very good friends with today. And she's starting a new school and she's like sort of freaking out because she doesn't want to be a nerd. Like this is the conversation that we're having. Like she wants to show up and and not feel like a nerd, not be a nerd, make friends, all the things that you feel at age 10 or whatever that is. And I was like, okay, I have the solution. And as to why in my brain, I believed wholeheartedly, this was the solution. I really don't know, but, but I did. So we go in her closet and I put basically a week's worth of outfits together for her to go into her new school. And then something in my mind is like, we have to make this foolproof. What if I leave and like something falls off a hanger or like it, you know, you forget or whatever the situation is. So they're the old school, you know, metal hangers with the, with the paper on it that used to be um, from the dry cleaner. And so I wrote on there, like, here's what you're actually wearing. And we hung up each one. And, and that was sort of the beginning of me realizing, okay, wow this, this really has some impact and power. And then fast forward to when I was in sales, I was driving around all of the time, sort of dreaming about what I was going to do next. And in my downtime, I would go shopping and people would be like, man, I really wish I had this. I'm like, Oh, I know where that is. Got it. And it all created this very interesting business that's had multiple evolutions, but that's where it all sort of started. But my core value to really go back to your, your main question that is the driving force for me is that I believe that I'm here on the planet to help other people live their ultimate potential. And that's what I truly want for myself is to live my ultimate potential. And, and so I think my gift happens to be that I can help you do that through using your image as a tool. Tears fill my eyes as you said that, because I know that you gifted me that by working with you. Like, I'm not saying that because we're here together. I'm saying that because it's, it's just the truth. When I met you was in April, maybe March, April, sometime frame in uh, 2019, I had had my last kid. I had four kids in four years. Lincoln was my last and I'd had him in 2017. So he was a year and a half old and I was still wearing maternity clothes because for the past four years, I was either pregnant or in postpartum mom bod. And I just kept wearing, I was wearing the maternity clothes, like, you know, the, the pants that come up to your boobs because you're, they're usually stretched out for the belly. And I had, you know, just skin and 
and I was still wearing nursing bras, even though I was done nursing and I didn't, I, I had really gotten lost in the roles that I was playing in my life and had lost contact with who I was and what my potential was for being here on earth. So, um, clothing really can help unlock that when it's done right. Um, and then Kami, your introduction to Lee is pr- pretty recent. Um, kind of, I know that we did a workshop about a month ago and Lee taught, what was your takeaway from that? Well, I want to go back to after you had met with Lee in 2019, because I was driving home from work and Hillary and I were talking and she said, I went to this stylist thing and it was great. And we talked about who are, are the fashion icons or the people in your life that you mold your fashion off of. And I remember thinking, well, who am I? And one of them is my grandmother. Um, and she she came into my three words that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago. And my grandma has always been one of those people that walks into a room and just commands the attention based on what she's wearing. I mean, she's wore fringe jackets forever. Um, she's got some amazing, amazing leather pieces in her closet, which she's graciously gifted down to her granddaughters. And I'm usually the first one that's like, oh, I'll take all I'll of take that. that. But Yeah, yeah, I really liked that part. And I've always remembered that. And so hearing the conversation with Hillary and I a couple of years ago, and then being able to have the the workshop a few weeks ago was really, really cool for me. Your grandma does command a room. She wears, she's like set the tone for Kansas grandma fashion because she wears big earrings and big rings and she's just very fabulous. That would be how I would describe her. Maybe I'm going to put that on my vision board. I haven't really given this any thought, but like, I think I'm going to, I'm going to like make it so that I'm the most epically dressed and inspirational grandmother. Yes. I don't think it's going to be hard for you. I mean, I don't think that needs, like, I don't think it's going to be hard for you. And you have time. I think because you said your oldest is 12. (laughs) Let's, let's, uh, we, we have a lot of time, but I used to borrow shoes from my grandmother she had the biggest Keds collection I'd ever seen in my whole life. And they were amazing. And my parents wouldn't buy me Keds because they were too expensive. And so I would get whatever the coolest Ked was from her closet and I would take it home with me. And the next time I would come back, I would return it and then get another one. It was like a library. You would just oh, library. <laughs> now, did she have the baseball Keds? The Keds that had like the little baseball... I don't even know what I'm talking about. The ones. red laces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But she had every color and like all these prints and it was just, it was mesmerizing to me. I remember having just white shoes and getting white shoe paint, you know, it was like the dabber and going over where the, where the glue had bled up onto the white canvas of the shoe. We never had kids though. I don't think, I think my mom had a pair, but yeah, they were an investment at the time. Um, Lee, what's, what's one of the hardest moments in your life that you feel like has made you really impactful in the work that you do, whether it's with your, with your kids, whether it's with other men and women who you're helping, I don't even want to use the word style, but pick up the right tools to show up for who they want to be. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, this is sort of a roundabout way of answering that question, but one of the things that I'm most grateful for as a parent is actually doing the work to grow my business, because I believe that one of the main results from all of that work is actually helping me to be a parent. So like 
I'm super grateful to have that, have created that opportunity for myself through having a business. And then this business that I've had has created all sorts of crazy stories. Um, I think maybe both of you, I told the story the other day, but it's a wild one where a woman in Georgia had been abducted from her family and it was a sex trafficking situation. And a paralegal who I had worked with at a law firm had gone to a doctor's appointment. And it was the way that this paralegal looked and presented herself that made this woman who had been abducted a year and a half ago from her family say to this lady, I need your help. And it was this pivotal moment that literally saved this girl's life. And the police asked this woman, what made you say something? You know, you've clearly been in public many times. Why this paralegal? Why did you say something to her? And she said, she just looked so professional. I knew she could help me. And that's one of my favorite stories because, you know, what if, what if I wouldn't have created this business or what if I wouldn't have created this service where I went into a law firm and helped this team and met this paralegal. And, you know, what's funny is she was one of the people that I was like, I'm not totally sure what I'm saying is sinking in, but it did. I just didn't realize it. And so three months after I was there, that's what happened. And I just think stories like that are so cool because you really, truly never know what the ripple effect is going to be of your work or something you say, or really anything. One of the voices that's often in my head when I'm getting dressed is, you know, there, lots of voices are talking to us, but when I very first started, it was, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And that was something that kept showing up for me. And that's why for almost a year, I, I tried to do a selfie a day and posted on Facebook and wasn't like, you know, some major dedication that I had, but I really wanted to show up. Even if I was just dressed in my house, sitting here, like I am right now, just jumping on zoom, um, with, with my team and nobody needed to see that I was dressed up and had put shoes on and those types of things, because I needed to retrain myself to stop thinking, who do you think you are? And just being who I am. What are some of the things that as you started your business and you had to push through so that you could be the person who could teach this paralegal and let it sink in so that she would then be able to show up? Because it's one thing to show up for yourself and for your family and to make an impact there. But I think what you're describing is like multiple iterations of that, like ripples of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that means that harder work has had to have been done because it's one thing for me to care about myself and my life and my impact, but what you're wanting to do is something much, much broader. What are the voices in your head that you had to tell to, uh, to get used to, I guess. Well, and I'll answer that question in just a second, but you, you telling that story made me think about how many voices people have voiced to me that are in their head. And One of the things that happens, and I actually watch it with my own children, particularly my daughter, is number one, we get dressed and we wear something. We go through all the voices in our head just to get out of the house and you make it out of the house and you make it into public. And somebody says, Ooh, you look really nice today. Or, Ooh, so fancy today. Like there's some comment. And whether it's a compliment, whether it's something. 
And most of the time, what I find is that that drives most of the voices in your head when you're getting dressed, whether it's negative or positive. So in the beginning of my business, one of the main things that I was doing with people is really helping them get in and like, get rid of stuff. And we still do that to some extent, but the main thing that somebody would say is they would like hold something up and they would show it to me and they would say, I always get compliments on it. And I'm like, I didn't ask if you got compliments on it. I asked if you loved it. And there is a, it's a complete difference. And unfortunately what happens is because it had a compliment, it means you love it, but they're not actually necessarily the same. They're two different decisions in two different worlds. And so you have to kind of figure out like, what do you actually love? And what do you truly want? And I watched my daughter when somebody like, why are you so fancy? Why are you wearing dresses? Like she's in the phase where most kids her age are wearing athletic clothes and she still just wants to wear a dress. And if it spins and has princess E even better. Um, and so she's having to stand up for that. So it, it, those voices start forming at such a young age. It's, it's kind of amazing. So Fast forward to me growing a business. And I think this story is so funny because here I am helping people, you know, step into this bigger identity and then dress the outside of them so that it matches the inner identity and we're doing all this work. And I am at a conference led by um, one of my mentors who you have, you also know, David Nagel. And he says to me, why do you dress the way that you dress? And I'm like, Oh, I got this. I got a whole strategy. This is what I teach. And I give them the strategy and all the things. And you've heard this story, but like one of the things that I explained to him is how I am so approachable and how I am dressing to be approachable because the voice in my head that said, you know, here's what you have to do to be a professional, successful woman. One of those little caveats was you must be approachable. And so that's what I was doing. But by doing that, I was actually I was not dressing to my ultimate potential. I was not doing what I was here for. And so I had to sort of figure that out and, and make a change. But I loved that. I, I still love the irony of that story. Like, of course I was, had this strategy, but I was like missing the boat a little bit. And now you sort of abolish all of those rules and now make it about what do you really love? What do you really want? Whose voice was telling you, you needed to be approachable? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's just something that I had heard a million times from, you know, be kind, be nice, be, you know, be friends with everyone. Um, don't, don't rock the boat. Like, so you gotta be approachable. So people want to talk to you. Like, I mean, I think that's just a lot of the messaging that I received as a kid and it is part of what makes me very successful today because I can walk into a room and make friends with anybody but you have to be careful because there's a, it's a double-edged sword. You can use it for, for sort of good and, and bad, if you will. I know Kami and I talked about this, but, and I don't know what, what conversations going on your, go on in your head, Kami, um, but people have called me intimidating my whole life. And I am so bothered by that because I don't think I'm intimidating. Like, I, I actually strive to not be intimidating. And I know that women in general, you know, you see a lot of this in maybe it's just in my Facebook marketing, because I'm always trying to buy cool stuff from my kids. It's like go girl power, but how maybe instead of calling girls bossy, we should see that there's leadership 
potential and that sort of thing. And maybe there's some positive spin we can put on being intimidating, but I'm not intimidating to men. I'm intimidating allegedly to women. And I'm so bummed about that. And I don't know how to fix that. And I think you're extremely approachable, but then there was something going on in your head where you were like, I need to, there needs to be a modification so that I am more. And for me, it's like, I need to modify so that I'm received in a way that I, I want to be received, but well, and the reason, one of the main reasons that I had approachable as a word is that I received the same feedback. You're so intimidating. And I would think to myself, that's hilarious because I feel like I'm intimidated by this whole room. I mean, I remember being in my twenties and really, truly feeling intimidated almost everywhere I I went, unless I sort of figured out my place in which I then became the leader. But there was a moment where you would walk into the room and there was this intimidation factor where you felt like you had to find your place. And I, I truly did have to break that. And the way I broke it was I would have to force myself to smile. So I, it was not natural for me to walk into a room and just be like, hello, I'm smiling. (laughs) I would walk into the room and wait for someone to approach me. And it was a learned behavior that, that now, now I do naturally, but I had to train myself to walk into a room and just smile. And, and it completely transformed everything. But I truly believe that when somebody is intimidated by somebody else, it's just a lens that they're viewing themselves through. It's the same thing when somebody says to you, oh, you're so fancy. Why are you so fancy? It's because they now feel intimidated because they're not fancy enough. So it's really a reflection back on what is mirroring back to the person calling you intimidating is my take on the whole thing. Yeah. Kimmy, what are voices in your head when you are... Whether you're fancy or, you know, I mean, being, I remember the first time I met you and remembering this woman is so beautiful. I mean, we were young girls at the time, but we were women in in our minds then. Yeah, we were 17 (laughs) or 18. I remember thinking you were so beautiful and, you know, and you still, you, you are probably even more beautiful now. I love that we get prettier as we age. I really believe that we do. I hope so. Um, yeah. Like I used to, it's funny how you look back on your life and you're like, oh my goodness. I thought that X about myself then. And now I think this about myself, but as we talk about this, what are the voices in your head that you have to talk to? Well, I think it's a transitional space for me right now coming from, you know, corporate environment and, you know, dress codes and being zipped up and having appearances to now working remotely. It's been, I have business professional stuff in my closet and I have yoga pants and t-shirts. There's not a lot of in between. And so it's been a little bit of a, a struggle for me to find my, my home style. Um, so, and my kids say the same thing, like, Ooh, mom, why are you so fancy today? Like, what are you dressed up for? And I'm like, girl, I'm just being me. Um, so those are, those are kind of the things that go on in my head. So I've taken the, my three words though, from our workshop and what I think about in the mornings are, is something fun? Is it edgy or is it sophisticated or all three? Um, so yeah, today I just put on some fun earrings. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. 
Lee, I did want to ask, because um, you mentioned your daughter and her fancy dresses. Do your kids let you dress them or do they, are they like, nah, mom, I got this and they put on their own stuff? Well, my children don't fall far from the tree. And at age two, my daughter, we would be like, we've got to get to preschool. We've got to get to preschool. And this kid's like, putting on three outfits, can't decide what she wants. And for sure, no, I am not allowed to pick anything out. So I had to download a song. This is so many years ago. It's so funny to rethink about this. It was a get dressed song because kids can't tell time at that age. So she knew at a certain point in the music, she better make a decision and get dressed. Great idea. It is a great idea. I need a get dressed song. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. So the rule became because um, both of them really like to have their own, they got their own deal is it has to be weather appropriate and safe. That's go forth and conquer after that. Good rules. My oldest son is uh, 14 and has one type of outfit in his closet, which is athletic wear. And it drives me bonkers. <laughs> like yes, you can have that toss on a cool shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, Kami, you brought up a really good point about sort of having these sort of holes in your wardrobe and your closet. And it's, it's, I think it's an interesting thing for us to talk about because it happens so often for everybody. You know, we have like our work style figured out. You have your, um, this is what I wear when I go to wedding style. Like there's just various like sectors of life. I remember in my twenties when all my friends were getting married. I mean, I had like amazing shoes that went to weddings, amazing dresses. Like that was the thing. Um, so there's all these sectors in your closet that are prepared for wherever you are in life. And what happens is you end up with this hole and it's usually like your casual and at home stuff. And so I think it's a great reminder for people. And Hillary, you said this earlier, I think is really dressing for yourself, right? Like you're really dressing for yourself to feel a certain way. And so typically as we grow up, we are, you buy clothes for school, right? You buy clothes for a certain function. You buy clothes to start a new job. You don't buy clothes just to be you. And that is one of the biggest like pivotal changing moments to really like stepping into who you are and who you want to be is looking at every segment of where you want to go and ensuring that you actually have that in your closet. Like I love to have people actually pie chart out, like, where do you go? Like, what are the sections of your life? You know, kids, soccer games, work, um, you know, date night, wherever, whatever they are. And then go look at like your, the pie chart percentages and then what you have in your closet. And they usually are completely mismatched. So mine is, (laughs) Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh gosh, mine's way off. I need like to go shopping. Like at, now you're at home a majority of time, not having to go into the office, right? Like, you know, you get to work from home or wherever and, but we still have corporate whatever. So that, that happens so many times to everybody. And I think it's a, that's a, just a great little trick to actually be able to measure what's happening in the closet and what you actually truly need to go be you. Yeah. I like that. When you're clearing out closets or helping people go shopping, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it 
Because it's always helpful. What happens when, let's say there's still tags on something, or you remember investing in something that you, it was like, this was a big purchase or whatever, but it, you figure out that it, this is not helping me dress to the highest version of my potential and you don't want to let it go. Yeah. So step one, I actually just had this conversation with a client earlier. There was a shirt we bought for a specific thing, and then we didn't use it for the specific thing. And now the question is like, well, do we even want this? Do we even need this? And it's been a while. So I said, Hey, have your assistant get on the phone and see if the store will give you credit for it. And they probably won't, but you know what they might. And so there's, there is value to removing those items from the closet and from your site so that when you are standing in there, it's just a very easy breezy way to just be like, Oh, this is me. This is what we're doing today. And then, you know, you have to kind of Marie Kondo yourself a little bit. Like, what does she say? Like, does this bring you joy? (laughs) And then you thought about that earlier service and then you let it go. Um, but there are ways that you can let it go that also make you feel better. I think a lot of people feel like it's wasteful. So like now I wasted my money and now I'm wasting this clothes because I'm giving it away and I didn't even wear it. And it becomes this like this heavy burden that you're now having to pay when really like it, it just needs to go serve somebody else. Mm-hmm. So we sell it, give it to a, you know, consignment store, give it to somebody who could really use it. I think that's the most fun way to do it. Like all of a sudden it instantly serves somebody else. Yeah. And that's not a waste at all because you're gifting it. And really the money was already spent, whether you stick it in your closet and never wear it, the money's already gone. So it is a waste for it to hang or take up space in your drawers. If, uh, if you, if you just leave it there, speaking of drawers, I want to talk about your underwear challenge. When, when talk I was to about, like, talk to me about the un, like conversations you have with people about their underwear. Mm, yes. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go in. Let's get I'm dirty. a little nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so it's well for the rest of your life. When you put your underwear on, you will immediately think of me. You'll think of me. Okay. Can't wait. Can't wait. So look, <laughs> the underwear is a fascinating mindset trip. Like it's a very interesting um, challenge for really everyone. So you can you can justify spending money on work clothes. You can justify money spending money on you know workout clothes. Like it this is fine. Now I'm like, Hey, what if we really go in deep and look at these items that you actually may be the only one that sees these are actually for you. Now let's go get something you truly love. Feels amazing. You know, we maybe invest more money than we have before on this. And you are required to now get rid of anything that is not aligned with who you are in your drawer. And the, the underwear drawers has a lot about like, like you open it up and you're like, oh man, these have holes. These are like they're so comfy. <laughs> right. All these are so comfy, but you realize like you actually need, you know, nude thongs to wear the things you really want to. Like, so the underwear drawer is this like very, very sneaky little like mindset up level, because when you are willing to sort of go through it and truly do it from a perspective of like, Oh, I love this. This, this is aligned with who I am, not with the holes that it has in it. It can create some amazing growth. 
I was so something. Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, so something I thought of, I thought about a long time ago, was if I got in some sort of accident and they had to like rip my pants off, would I be terrified for them to see the underwear that I have on? If the answer is yes, I should throw them away. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I can't believe you shouldn't live your life this way, Kami. <laughs> yeah, but I remember my mom used to tell me that. I, I think there were probably moments where I'd be like, why do I have to wear underwear? Why do I have to change my underwear? Like as a kid. And I remember her saying like, if you're ever in an accident, you have to have clean underwear on. Like, what? Because <laughs> that's what I like your mom. I like your mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm clean drawers on. Um, for me, it's like, I will keep stained underwear. And I'm not talking about like shit stains. <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm a woman and I'm 37 and I've had my period for so long. And yet every single month it surprises me. And it's like, Oh, that's why I was feeling this way. Now it has a, now it has an explanation, but I, um, I, I don't know. That's been the thing where it's like, oh, this is just part of, this is just part of life. But then when I started working with you, I ended up getting these like waterproof, they're like thinks or something like that. I don't know what the brand is, but basically it's underwear made for when you have your period so that it's an extra layer of protection. Um, and that has been wonderful because this is made for this. So it's not like I'm going out and buying nice underwear that are on, on brand or whatever we want to call it, that are a reflection of who I am. Cause I'm pretty dang fabulous. I want to wear nice underwear that are not stained all the time. And, um, and if I, want my man to pull my pants down. I don't want to be like, Oh God, I forgot. I'm wearing like eight year old underwear and you know, sorry, this is gross. Um, they don't care by the way. Yeah. They, yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't think that, I think that he actually, he would just be like, yes, this is a familiar territory. I can do this. <laughs> the, um, this is, this is making me sweat because I'm getting uncomfortable. It's rare for me to feel uncomfortable when I'm I'm personally oversharing about myself, but I've gone to that place now. I've gone to that place. Yeah. We're here for it. Keep going. We're here. I'm just going to keep on digging that hole. Um, I think that look, we're women. We, most women have periods and this is something that we're not going to, we're not going to move on from invest in something and they were not that expensive, but it was, it was like, this is just the, I have five pairs of these underwear. Cause I know for, for about every month for the rest of the foreseeable future, I'm going to need this support. And now I don't have stained underwear because like, I just accepted the fact that this isn't going anywhere. This is not something I can just, you know, deal with it, I can actually prevent this from impacting the rest of my life. It's such a funny thing. I never well, knew those existed. Yeah. Huh. This, now, now you have to put it in the show. Now now I know. Brand. Right. Yeah, no, it's Thinks. Um, and it's a, it's a brand that helps. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I actually, yeah, long story short, they, it exists and they are designed for their underwear designed for women compared to just being drawers, you know? <laughs> so anyway, um, Lee, what's a funny story you feel like is such a hallmark for you? I think that the David Nagel story is good because it's such a reflection of like, oh, here I am helping do this. But what is your, when you think 
of a time that something has really taught you an ironic lesson? What comes to mind? Well, there's another great David Nagel story. I mean, we could keep up with these all the whole episode. So it may even have been the same event. He um he says to me that he's looking to invest in his image and is looking for, you know, somebody to work with and would love to talk to me about that. And I'm like, okay, great. Fantastic. Yeah. I don't work with men. Here's what he said. Why not? And I was like, Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> no idea. Like it was just one of these things that I had built a business around and had given zero thought. I mean, this is literally first, this is the first year of my business where nobody had taught me how to create an avatar and like all of the things. So I had no, I had no answer to why not. And that is now my most favorite question to ask and to, and to be asked, you know, because why not just sort of levels you to really think through the truth of the matter and, and come up with, is that yes, I don't work with men or for this reason, or no, that's total bullshit. And it was total bullshit. And so he was my first male client because he was the first person to ask me why not. And it's just, I think it's such a a powerful two words. Well, in in my mind, I would think that most people who reach out to you are women. But then I think about when I came back from my first round of working with you, Sean couldn't wait to get on board. My husband couldn't wait to get on board. He was like, let's go to Nordstrom. Let's go hang out. (laughs) And we did. And it was so much fun. And he felt so good. He didn't get to do the work of developing his words and those types of things, but he didn't mind me helping him play dress up almost like these are things that he's comfortable in and that he feels good in. And they're not, you know, uh, they're not who he's not, I guess I should say it's been really fun to help him explore that. But from a military guy who for 18 years, 20 years has worn a uniform every single day, um, all the way down to like what his color of socks, you can't even see under his combat boots are all of that is dictated what you're supposed to wear your t-shirt that's like showing you can only wear a colorful one on Fridays you know the patches every single thing about his life has been so um controlled I guess in terms of clothing so then when it came to weekends he didn't know what he was going to wear and so it just became this like a polo and cargo shorts and it's like that was great in 2002, but it's 2022 now. So what do I wear? So when you have these conversations with men, what does that look like? So here's the most fascinating thing on, on sort of the men's side of things is most of the time, and this isn't for everybody, but a lot of the times nobody has ever really taken the opportunity to make a conscious choice about who they want to be and how they want to be perceived from an image standpoint. So typically as a kid, your mom buys all your clothes. That's what you wear. And then a lot of times in my experience, people were getting married and then their wife bought all the clothes. And so it would take a moment, like someone getting divorced or like going into a career or a job where, you know, the wife wasn't actually really an expert in that area for people to realize like, Oh, I need to I need to actually figure this out for myself. And so it's really fascinating because it's, it's this empowering moment where you get to decide 
who I want to be instead of just having somebody put something on you or say, you have to wear this uniform or you have to do this. So it's really cool. It's one of my favorites. There's um, from way back in the day, I think I tell this story in my strategically suited book too. There was a guy who hired me whose name was Lee, which was funny. And he wanted to be promoted within like six months or something at an engineering firm. And so he just looked, he, I think he was wearing polos and, and, and khakis. And so he just looked not like everybody else. And so anyway, we do the whole makeover. We create his image, the style, develop the whole strategy. It's on a Friday. He goes back into work on Monday. He's instantly called back into his boss's office. And his boss is basically like, what are you doing? Are you interviewing with, for other jobs? And he's like, oh no, I just really was hoping to start to up level here. And it led to an entire conversation that was part of the promotion. So it, it was kind of, it was cool to see that. I mean, it's awesome. I think that my perception, I've never been a man before, um, but my perception of men is that if they dress too fashionably, people will question their masculinity. And so when I see a lot of my gay friends, they dress fabulously. They also do not have any Fs to give about what people think about their masculinity because they are very much who they are. What, where, where do you see men and dressing how they want to dress and their masculinity and that mental conversation that they have that they may sort out with you? Where do you see that at? Well, it's definitely evolved, particularly in the last five to 10 years, I think, um, because it, it used to be, you don't worry about that if you're a man, like there's, you know, that was my perception anyway, when people were coming to me that that's what they felt like. Um, so it was this like foreign thing to start to figure out like, oh, what do I want to wear? But I think we also have to remember that particularly, I mean, really both men and women who are coming to work with me are here to really develop a strategy. And so when you're here to develop a strategy that is basically like, uh, yeah, you want to make three more million dollars this year, then you need to show up looking different. You're all in. If I'm like, okay, all we have to do is tweak this and this, and we do it in a way that feels authentic. That makes total sense. So it's, it's more about sort of the why behind it, I think, and the driving force other than from, from the percentage of people that are, that I'm attracting anyway, it's more about the why and, and the driver behind it than it is about like being fashionable, if that makes sense. If you're a stay-at-home mom and like I was for many years, for me, an idea, a conversation about dressing for my highest potential, probably it could have been lost on me. Mm -hmm. I, I really want to reach those people. I want to reach my younger self through this podcast. What would you say to her or him? Well, I mean, I, I was her at a point in time too, right? Like I remember we were talking about this a little bit. I think before we started, I remember the saving grace of my entire day was 4 PM. If I could make it to 4 PM, I would be okay because I had made it through a whole day with a kid <laughs> 4 p.m. Ellen came on and she was pretty funny and, you know, really sort of uplifted my day. And then shortly after my husband would be home and thank God I wouldn't have to be at home with a kid all by myself all day. <laughs> right. Like, so I've been there and I think you have to remember that in order to be, this is my opinion. Anyway, I believe that in order to be a good mom, particularly to a daughter, 
I have to find the things that I truly love about myself and be willing to invest in them and embrace them and take the time for, you know, grabbing the shorts that require a button and not the pull on ones because they make me feel better. And maybe they don't, you know, vice versa, whatever. Um, but I personally feel it's like my responsibility, particularly as a mom of a daughter to believe that, you know, I have to put myself first in a certain way in order to be the best version of myself for you as a parent. Kami, what are your thoughts when you feel, when you're hearing this, what are, what are things that are coming to mind for you? I need to, I need to get a new wardrobe. That's what it comes <laughs> down to for me. That feels so big. Yeah, I know. Um, no, it's, it's really encouraging to hear that, you know, so many people's lives can change just by dressing the way that you feel on the inside. Um, and which, which leads me to a question that I had for you, Lee, too, that what about, what about things like hair and makeup? And like, do you talk, do you talk to people about those things as well? Or is it mostly just wardrobe based services? Yeah. I mean, so I am not a makeup artist and I'm not a hairstylist, but, um, when people do come to work with me for like an entire sort of VIP makeover, we do all of those things because it's part of the package. Um, I mean, I am the first person knocking on my hair girl's door every five weeks because I don't really want any roots. Like I don't feel good unless my hair is the way it's supposed to be. Um, so I think those things can, those little small things, keeping your hair as you like it, um, you know, simple as like one of my, like Hillary is flaunting her amazing eyelashes right now, which are yes. amazing. Um, and one of the things that I figured out was when I wasn't able to do eyelashes like hers, that if I just literally had a, um, had them tinted so that I woke up with one little thing where it was like, oh, that's already done. Um, it just, it changes your entire mood. So I do think you, you do consider the entire package. And I think we should also mention, you said something, Kami, that made this come to mind. This isn't necessarily about like, oh crap, I don't have anything in my closet. I have to go get an entire new wardrobe and I can't go do that. So I best, I guess this was fun to listen to and I'll think about it later. It's really as simple as like one shirt that you buy that makes you feel amazing or one pair of shoes. Like it can just start the ball rolling. It doesn't have to be this like massive overhaul. I mean, it can be as simple as like, I, there are people who love notebooks. Like it could be as simple as like investing in just the things that you love touching and that are part of you and your daily life every day. And that can really be inspirational. I love Nordstrom. I mean, I love Nordstrom. I'm like, someday I want to be their spokesperson. And I have all the ideas about like riding down the escalator and taking people into the cafe. Like I am a believer and they have a great return policy too. So like if your client had bought that shirt from Nordstrom, their assistant right. wouldn't have to call. They would just be able to take it in. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not paid by Nordstrom. I pay them. <laughs> But they have these like V-neck t-shirts that are like 12, 15 bucks. Yeah. They fit and feel so good. And I can tuck that into a pair of basic jeans and I feel it's like 
Mark Zuckerberg wears the same thing every single day. If I were to have a uniform, it would be that with a blazer and like a pair of sneakers. And I just feel so put together and I feel so me. And I, I mean, you don't have to buy the Nordstrom t-shirt, but we all have a t-shirt that you can stuff in jeans and throw some type of other layer on. And I just personally feel so polished with that, but. It's true. And it, it can be, it can be a simple thing. I think that's just like, I, I just want to make sure people have that takeaway that it is not creating an image that you love and creating an image from the inside out is not necessarily about like throwing a ton of money at this problem. It's really just about being disciplined. And if you're going to buy something that you are super disciplined about the fact that like, number one, you love it. Number two, it's actually helping you on that pie chart that we talked about earlier so that it's going to give you use value in places you really want to go. I used to buy high heels all the time. That's great. I don't wear high heels all the time. Like, I love them. They're amazing. They're so pretty. They're sitting in my closet. Like, and I finally figured out looking at my pie chart, like I'd be much better off, you know, buying my Gucci sneakers and wearing those all the time, which I do. Um, so it's just these really tiny switches in our minds where we ask ourselves to be disciplined and intentional when it comes to investing in ourselves and it can completely change, you know, what's happening for you. Lee, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation and you're just such a gift. And you, you come with me to the bathroom when I put on my clothes and you come with me to the bedroom when I take them off because you have, you truly have made an impact on me and I'm so grateful for it. And I know that it's, I really think that if people, if you, it's like, I always go back to that song, um, that little kid church song where it's this little light of mine. And for me, that's what dressing is. And it's like, am I going to let all these other voices? I remember being a teenager, my parents would be like, what are you doing in there primping some more? And now I'm like, oh, I primp. I love to primp. You know, <laughs> you're like, it's uh, on my calendar. It's on it's my calendar. Primping. And I'm very efficient at primping. It's like a 12 minute from start to finish primping process, but I love to primp. And you know, that for me is like, if I, it, it, what you talked about with your daughter, there is just a little, and it doesn't have to cost anything. It just really is taking a minute and saying, what is it for me that I want to do for me, including, do I want to put on these old gross underwear? Do I, I mean, I finally bought a bra that really fits. I had a, I did a mommy makeover surgery last October and I was still wearing the sports bras that they gave me for post-op because they were like, you know, no underwire and all this other stuff. And they weren't torn or anything else, but I'm, I had, I had paid all this money for new boobs that I wasn't dressing properly. And, and then I bought one bra and it's still this whole, you know, there, it's such a, such a journey of investing in, in stuff that's just for you because it's not for anybody else. So Kami, what are your thoughts? Same girl, same, except for the new boobs. I have, I don't, I have old boobs and old bras. <laughs> you got the OGs. <laughs> I got the OGs, the three kid OGs. Um, no, I really appreciate, I really appreciate hearing all your wisdom, Lee. Um, you know, the, the stories that you have, the advice that you give, um, and just the little places to start at. You know, I'm going to start at my pie chart. 
I'm going to go take a look at my closet and probably get rid of a lot of workout tank tops that I don't use anymore because I work out at home in a sports bra. So I don't need those and they're just taking up space. So I'm excited to go get started on that kind of stuff. Um, do you have a place where people for people to start? Would it be like a pie chart in your closet or what would be like a, a tip number one or two for folks to start at? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we sort of alluded to, um, you talked about the word exercise and we actually didn't tell anybody about that on this call. And that's one of the best places to start is I ask you the question of how do you want to feel? And most of the time when it comes to your image, people think it's about how do you want to look, but you actually start with how you want to feel. And the idea is to generate as many adjectives as possible that, that, you know, personify what you truly want in that category. And then to also go back at that list and, and get rid of what I call the given. So like, of course you want to feel comfortable. Of course you want to feel confident. Like those are your givens. And then from there, you're able to really use those as kind of a roadmap. So that's a great place to start. And then, you know, the other place, whether you're in business or not, like this strategically suited book, it gives you the whole formula and talks about the word. So that's another great place. If you like, like to read and have the plan, all the things that sort of lays out the whole formula of how you start to think about this and sort of change the mindset. I love that you have a man on the cover of your book, or at least I assume that it's a man. And man. at the and before that conversation with David, you were like, I men aren't even I don't even serve men with my business. So I don't even know. Yeah. You know what's funny? Here's the here's the closing part of that story. Is that um that was out of fear. How would I work with a man? I don't know how to do it. You know, and that's that's part of the that's part of what we learn is you just have to decide. And then you figure out the how. Yeah. I remember being afraid that people wouldn't receive me as an immigration lawyer because I don't speak Spanish and because I'm white and I wanted to serve a Mexican Spanish speaking population. Well, here we are. And we are. if I still don't speak Spanish and I'm still white, I do jokingly refer to myself as an honorary Mexican because I want to be so bad, <laughs> but they don't really care. Um, it's been a wonderful journey, but it, it was a lot of fear. Yeah. Ladies, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and it's a wrap on The Grateful Leader. Thanks for Thanks. having me. Yay. Wow. Another great episode showing us that the way we view our past and existing experiences impacts the way we view our future and how we're living our lives and showing up. And it's just every single time it kind of blows my mind. Kami and I are on a mission to help spread this message of gratitude for the good times and the bad because they help us grow into greater leaders we would love for you to join with us in serving that mission by sending a text. If you could send a text to one friend right now and say, I think that you might enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Because if we're just talking to our computer screen, we're not going to be sharing our message. We really appreciate that you are going to take part in this with us. And that's the greatest gift is really helping someone experience gratitude from the inside out and that changes their life. Thank you for gifting that to a friend today. See you next week for another episode of The Grateful Leader.